Welcome to the Culture Wise Podcast, where God's good news meets the Latter-day Saints with wisdom and grace. Here we aim to discuss topics relating to how followers of Jesus can more effectively reach Latter-day Saints in their relational networks. My name is Daniel Shugart. I'm joined today by Ross Anderson, Derek Murphy, and Justin Woodward. We're going to have an exciting conversation today. Um, let me quick introduce who Derek and Justin are. Derek, uh, he's identified as the door guy. That's um, right. He, he really just desires to open the door for God to work and uh, for ministry opportunities to come through the door. And he, he does this specifically through ICPA, that is Inter-Mountain Church Planters Association. And he's the executive director there serving um, also with a new network of church plants um, called Salt City Underground in Salt Lake City. That's primarily. Right. Yep. Um, and then Justin also is is a is a new r- recent connection to Derek. Justin grew up LDS, and pretty recently, just February, uh, he said February sixth, twenty twenty three, he was born again and experienced new life in Jesus. And so I want to hear a little bit about his story in a minute. But um, he got connected to Derek through some family connections. His whole, his whole family has been transformed um, by Jesus through some of the work that Derek has been a part of. So huge testament to Derek's door opening ability there. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Um, but Derek, let's, let's begin here. We were a part of, with, with Ross and a few other, um, well, you said 60 or so leaders um, yeah. throughout Utah, leaders who are involved in church planting, who are involved in um, evangelism and, and other ministry opportunities. And you said one of the biggest um one of the biggest thoughts that everyone was sharing was we have a desire for supernatural prayer over the the good strategies that we pursue. Tell me more about what you experienced there and, and what that means. Yeah, so there was a Loving Utah Summit in November 1st, and I was there with Logan Wolf, who has been on the podcast, and a, and a few others presenting. We talked about the movement mindset shifts, and the number one uh, mindset shifts that people wanted to know more about was having prayer as the power instead of strategy and moving the mission forward of God. So that is, uh, and I think we had 60 to 80 leaders in the room that day. Ross was there. And I I just think that's one, one area that I, I'd love to speak into. I feel like God has been preparing me in uh, for the last few years, at least. Um, I, I think just I used to be on staff with K2 The Church, has been a ministry here in Utah for 20 plus years. And I was preaching a, uh, a sermon series on uh, emotionally healthy spirituality. And I was going to preach the sermon on silent Sabbath and solitude. And I was like, well, I better actually practice this if I'm going to do it. Yeah. And so I started uh, just prayer walking, not evangelistically prayer walking, but just personally wanting to get out every day. And uh, in February 2021 is when I started doing that every day, leading up to six weeks before the uh, the message. So I had a little bit of track record to say whether or not it was effective. And what I noticed is that God just started to transform me in the process of taking that much time every day to pray in the middle of the day hmm. and seek God. And so that's that's something that is kind of just part of my own story to see how God... There's a lot more to it, but... That's maybe the beginning of my most recent and a revival in my heart around prayer. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. You connected it at first to um, a, a movement mindset shift, something that if we want to see movement, 
this is something we shift to. We shift to thinking in terms of supernatural prayer Mm -hmm. or extraordinary prayer instead of relying on the old strategies. So in a way, we're thinking, okay, how does prayer work? But we're also, uh, then you shifted it in your, in, in thinking, how does this actually affect me? Mm-hmm. This, is, this is something that I need personally. So not only is it a thing we ought to do because it works, but it's also a thing we ought to do because it connects us to Jesus personally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the, I love that you brought up the, the movement mindset. Extraordinary prayer is what leads, is the thing that every movement, move of God has been rooted back to. I think we all... Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, have heard something like that. And uh, we've got um, a need for more prayer. I just think there's a, a need to see more prayer expanded in our ministry here in Utah and, and, and beyond to to see a move of God take place. And that started with the ministry and the work I'm doing with the Intermountain Church Planners. We started with a big vision um, back two years ago, even before I took a uh, staff role, I was on the board And um, we saw a vision. We wanted to see 100,000 people in the Intermountain West come to know Jesus. And that big vision actually spurred us on to go, okay, how in the world are we even going to get there? We just came up with this, what we thought was a good idea. And now it almost seems crushing the amount of Hmm. the load that it would take to, to see that happen. And, uh, and so we, we're, we had to think outside of the box because it's like typically, okay, how many churches would that take? How much money would it take to plant that many churches? We, you know, if you start to unload it that way, it's just way beyond capacity for any, I think any organization that's operating out of Utah. But uh, this, uh, this made us think, okay, where do we need to start? And made us realize we need to start with prayer. If we're going to see 100,000 souls come to know Jesus, we need to make sure we're at least praying for a hundred thousand souls before they're going to hmm. receive Jesus. Yeah. Right. So yeah. that's, that's, uh, and I think that's a, a big part of prayer is, is understanding the big vision that God has. Um, you know, revelation seven, there's this vision of heaven that, that gives us this idea that it's like every tribe, tongue, and nation is going to be there. There's going to be great multitudes. And God gives us a little snapshot of what heaven is going to look like. And I think it it should change me like when I see that because he doesn't want just a few people up there. He wants everybody to experience him and to be there. And so it, it it's like that, that big picture, the understanding of like we want revival, we want movement, we want to see God do something bigger than what I can do on my own. That's what kind of led me also another another kind of source that led me to drop to my knees in prayer because I don't have the strength to see that sort of vision realized in my own capacity or any strategic capacity, I guess, either. That's incredible. Yeah, just to see the way that grasping the big vision actually changes you mm-hmm. and, and it draws you into a deeper prayer knowing that you can't accomplish it. Yeah. That's really powerful. So. I know that you had started um, printing off, or not not just you, but um, I, through you and and some of the ministry, there have been printed off these bookmarks. Yeah, that have ten blank spaces, and I have one bookmarked in my Bible, and I've got ten names on it. Uh, I should probably put more because I believe God can do more. But these are these are ten people that I'm specifically praying for. Tell me more about um, that initiative. Yeah, so. Going back to the 100,000, we just were like, well, let's break this down. And if we're going to see 100,000 prayed for, that's not just like me thinking, 
let's just pray for 100,000 souls to come to Jesus. It, it doesn't work that way. Or, I mean, it could, but I think it's more effective when we are personally engaged. If I'm personally engaged, it's motivating. And so we're just like, hey, what would it look like for individuals to pray for the people in their network who are far away from God and who know me but may not know Jesus? And, and so that's where we started. And so we do have bookmarks that anybody can access. If you want to get some of your own, go to peopleoftheprize.org. We'll send you some. And uh, But it, it's, uh, it's just a tool that's helpful for remembering the names. And so every night at 10 p.m., because it's there's 10 of them on my list, so 10 p.m., then I pray for those those individuals. I think of their faces. And sometimes God gives me ideas on how I can engage with them. So far this year, <clears throat> three people on my list of 10 have, have come to Christ and been baptized, mm-hmm. which is cool. Yeah, uh, Justin, actually, his parents put him on their 10 uh, last November. It's amazing. And so... Uh, and just a few months later, he ended up coming to know Jesus. And so I think there's there's a lot of stories like that, the, of people that have started to experience new life in Christ because somebody just started praying for them by name every day. And so that's, yeah, a little bit behind that. I <clears throat> I think maybe this, this could be a small aside, but what I've started to realize beyond that is I, I was... Uh, in First Corinthians chapter nine, I was sitting in a, a sermon uh, just over a year ago, and the the, the speaker was spe- speaking on this this great passage that says, "Run the race in order to win the prize." And I left that sermon. It was a great message. Left there not realizing what the prize was. I, I was like, I thought I knew it my whole life what the prize was, and I I didn't know at that moment what it was because Paul says in order to receive the prize, you have to beat your body, make it your slave and go into strict training. And I go, well, that can't be what I've always thought the prize was, which I thought was heaven, you know, or salvation or to experience Jesus or, you know, however you want to put it. But as I, I was sitting there, I'm like, well, you know, Paul obviously says in Ephesians 2, 8, it's by grace through faith, not by work so that nobody can boast. So how can it be heaven if that's the reality, you know? And and so I started to look at the passage a little deeper. And verse 2 says, Paul's an apostle. Was that It means he's sent. He's sent to these people in Corinth. And then he says later in that same verse that, that these people are the seal of his apostleship. So the proof of his apostleship are these people. And then he says in the next several verses, uh, 3 through 18, that he's willing to lay down his rights as an apostle, which he's deserved certain honors and pay and all these things for these people in Corinth so that they could experience the gospel. And then he, he says, I'll become all things to all men in order to reach some in the next few verses, 19 through 23. And so you're like, okay, well, he's sent to people. He's approved by people. He's laying down his rights for the people so that more people could uh, experience the kingdom of God. And the prize is heaven. You're like, wait, wait a minute. Like, it's it's got to be something else. It's, yeah. And I, and I just yeah. in the context of that verse, I was like, okay, it's people have got to be the prize um, based on the context. And it just started to make a lot of sense to me to go, okay, <clears throat> if heaven is my main motivation, um, first of all, it's for many of us, we don't know when it's coming. It could come any day, but it's like, it's, it's a far off thing. You know, mm-hmm. it's like nothing, I'm not usually motivated by something. If, you know, if I asked you, Daniel, to like start training for a marathon, but then, Hey, 
it's going to be in five years. I mean, no, you're not going to start today, <laughs> right? But it's like, okay, Dan, you got to run a, a marathon in two months. You're probably going to start yeah. now. Yeah. You know, it's like it's too far off. And I think we all know if if we've got the gospel, really understand the gospel, we already have it. We already have access right. to that. And right. so it's like we don't we don't need. It's not a motivating thing for us. And and so one of the major shifts that I see um, that needs to take place for movement to, to happen is that we need to see the motivation. Like we're, I think there's a passivity in the church that, that I, I mean, many church leaders experience and we complain about sometimes and, uh, and we go, well, what would it take? How do we get our people get their fire started? How do we get them lit up? And it's like, well, to actually know that when we start focusing on people, and helping them see who Jesus is, people who are lost in particular. It's one thing to support the mission. I think we, we, I think many Christians are supporting the mission in some way financially or mm-hmm. maybe through making coffee on the side or something. But it's like actively being on mission yourself, I think, is what I'm speaking to. It starts to change us. Mm-hmm. It starts to – like I was just talking this morning with a guy at the gym named Gage and – and, uh, you know, I, I, his, he told me about his brother who passed away five years ago. And so I got, you know, I prayed for him, asked him for the date that his brother passed so I could be praying for him that day. And it's like, you walk away from conversations like that and you fired up, mm-hmm. you know, you're like, man, I was just used by God to bless somebody today. Yeah. And, and so those are the sorts of things that I feel like every Christian needs to experience in order for them to have motivation to grow in their faith, to beat their body, make it their slave, and go into strict training. Yeah, it really proves the principle true in John 4 when Jesus says, I have bread that you know nothing about, for my bread is to do the work. Yeah. Right? And so Jesus was satisfied. He was lit up by watching God work in such a powerful way in that chapter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. But I, I think the way to get there the way to, to become motivated isn't just through saying, I need to be more motivated. Right? It's like, yeah. it's really hard, right? But it's like, I think the, the only path that I see is through prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, because uh, God changes my heart when I start to pray. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that actually, man, I had a neighbor this, right at the beginning of COVID named Dave that I started praying for. And I prayed for him the very first day, uh, and I just asked for God to give me opportunity to engage with him. And that day, he knocked on my door, and I'm just—it freaked me out. You know, it's like, what? Like prayer, wor- you know, prayer works. Is like, and and it started to change me because I saw how God can move through it. But then, how how I need to actually be following God in order mm-hmm. to o- be able to offer something to Dave. You know, it's like I want to be able to encourage him and strengthen him and and come alongside him and serve him and that that comes from an overflow of my experience with God mm-hmm. right and so i think one of the things that engaging with people does is it sends me to my knees <laughs> because uh, i think anybody who's been in ministry for at least a little while knows that people are either going to drive you to drinking or drive you to your knees you know and it's like <laughs> Ross you might be able to speak into that a little more <laughs> but it's 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 absolutely true and so it's like I have to have a tight relationship with Jesus in order to actually run the race and 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 win the prize and uh, and so mm-hmm. something I'm realizing yeah I see 
that's super valuable. Another thing that you had mentioned in those mindset shifts of movements is switching up our understanding or our metric for reaching. How, how do we actually measure if we're reaching people? Yeah. So what I've noticed is that in church, our primary metric, and I'm, I've been part of this now for 20 years, mm-hmm. our primary metric is how many people are we reaching? And what what's happened is that we've, we've actually grown a lot of churches, uh, but as a whole, the church is shrinking in our culture and all throughout America, like by a long, uh, we're, we're losing people uh, every day. And, and so we're, we're reaching, but we're, we're only adding instead of multiplying. And so uh, I think there's a shift. If there's going to be a church tomorrow, uh, a church for our kids and our grandkids, we need to change our primary metric from reaching as the the primary mode of success to sending as the primary mode of success, because that actually multiplies uh, the the labor force. I mean, it's it's like instead of just one source or one organization, one church reaching as many people as they can, it's like everybody is actually out on mission, and we expand uh, the ministry and the mission exponentially in that model. And um, like I said, I think it also motivates uh, it motivates us to be on mission ourselves personally and not just be, you know, part of the overall mission, but to be actively engaged on the mission field. And so that's, that's something that I see as a a real big need. And again, uh, I really feel like prayer is the the starting point for, for that. And um, one of the things like I was just reminded on my experience with my neighbor, Dave is uh, I didn't know exactly how to do that, how to be a missionary on the mission field. Mm-hmm. And so, um, because I mean, even though I was a minute ministry and I was a pastor and all these things like that, um, versus just actually being engaged with my neighbors, isn't necessarily the same thing. It should be, it should be, but it, ne- it, it wasn't. And so, uh, we, uh, actually had started engaging with this concept called bless and, uh, and so that was kind of my entry into engaging with the people immediately around me. And it was begin with prayer is the B. The, so it's these rhythms that you live out. And, uh, and so I started praying for Dave. And I had a f- five people I was praying for. And uh, he was one of them. And, uh, and then the L of the bless is listen with care. And so it's just like instead of going over and praying for somebody and just telling them the gospel. It's like, I just, I want to show them that I care and that I love them um, and that I'm willing to listen to whatever's on their mind and what's on their heart. And, uh, and so that was even this morning, I'm listening to, to Gage at the gym and listening to what's on his heart. And he's talking about his daughter and uh, his two daughters he's got and his, his brother. And you're just like, okay, I'm, I'm going to understand where he's at. And then, and then the E of the bless is to eat together. And, I think that's cool because it, that's where a relationship is forged and uh, is when you just sit down with somebody around a meal. And then, uh, and then the first S is to serve with love. It's like actually getting over there and uh, getting your hands dirty. You know, it's like uh, Dave and his, uh, his has actually since passed away just a couple months ago, but I'm, you know, still getting the opportunity to serve his wife, Kathy, and, uh, and have her over for Thanksgiving. And, 
engage where she has needs and all those sorts of mm-hmm. things. So it's like, and then, and then you actually get to start sharing the, the good news, sharing the message. And so those, that's the bless acronym, mm-hmm. begin with prayer, listen with care, eat together, serve with love, and then share the gospel message. Mm-hmm. So that's how I got going, how I got started to kind of get on mission myself instead of just be part of something like, you know, being just part of the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I I want to think about this sending idea, mm-hmm. how the, the desire is we want to send people and use that as a metric for our success. Mm-hmm. And it just makes me think about, again, we mentioned John 4 already, but thinking in John 4, the pattern that Jesus established right there was really powerful in that he actually sent the disciples into the town. Um, and it, it doesn't seem like they actually reached anyone there. They, they went in, they brought back some food, fine, mission accomplished. Yeah. But while they were in town, Jesus had this interaction with the woman at the well. And this woman is an unlikely person. She was just a Samaritan woman, had not the best track record. She was known in the town for this, that, and the other thing. She wasn't a trained evangelist, didn't know the gospel, didn't understand. She didn't have all the books of the Bible memorized. She didn't She didn't really seem like the person who was going to be tasked with what Jesus tasked her with. But as soon as she understood the message that Jesus was trying to communicate, Jesus seemed to kind of send her. Yeah. And I know she, she went on her own, but it was obvious that this was what Jesus intended, to send yeah. her back into the town. And that seems like the most successful thing that could have happened. She then shared her testimony. She shared the message that Jesus might be the Messiah with everyone there. And the the townspeople then came out to Jesus and said, it's not just because of what she said, but now we know because we've talked to you personally. Now we know that you're the Messiah. And that's such a powerful story of sending. What, What can we learn from that story about how should we send? Yeah, you know, I've I've uh, started to experience this in our ministry with Salt City Underground, and I think it is through relational networks that the gospel moves, and uh, that's something that I've seen personally. It's something that we were talking earlier about. The author Rodney Stark in his book, The Triumph of Christianity, talks about that's how the early church moved was through relational networks. And I, I've even heard, I, I listened to an episode uh, earlier from earlier this year, Ross, where you were talking about how people who are LDS actually have their, almost their relational nodes all full. So it's like they're at capacity already. And so the best way maybe to reach somebody in that context is to send somebody who's already in that relational network inside to reach them. And so um, just for example with Justin here. Uh, Justin came to Christ He's in uh, February, but it started with his aunt who, uh, who I think it was two years ago, she had uh, an experience with God that just transformed her. And in that process, she, uh, she started to engage with her sister. And as she's engaging with her sister, her sister ends up becoming curious and wanting to know more. And her sister and her sister's husband uh, come to Christ. And those are Justin's parents. Mm-hmm. And then Justin, through his parents, praying for him and engaging with him, and and then me engaging with Justin a little as well, ends up coming to Christ. And, and now Justin is actually praying for his 
roommates, and he's brought already uh, one of his friends uh, who does some DJ work with him. That's right. Uh, named Cam to church before with us, and uh, and and so it's just one of those things where it just continues to kind of spread over a, a network that's already established that I don't have to go and try to make relationship with all those people. It's just happened. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Tell me about your story, Justin. I want to hear it from from your own mouth. Tell me from your perspective, what did God do with your aunt, your parents, and then in your own heart? And what is he doing now? Yeah, so uh, before I met Derek, um, I come from a, an LDS background, and my family grew up in, in Utah, and we're all uh, LDS. Mm-hmm. Um, my family ended up leaving the, uh, the faith when I was 14 years old. First my mom, and then every other family member followed her. And now I'm 26, and in between meeting 14 and till now, I was a little confused as to what I should believe in and purpose and meaning in life. Mm-hmm. And so I started seeking a background of escapism and self-indulgence, which led to addiction, which also led to uh, anxiety attacks. And so I very much needed help in my life for direction and purpose. And so I ended up meeting with Derek earlier this year, who my my aunt uh, and parents were in contact with. Uh, they had been counseled by him, and they saw Christ move in their lives, but they wanted Christ to move not only in my life, but, you know, my family, family members' lives as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I was looking for a counselor, someone to, to help me in the, the hard stage of life. And so they recommended Derek, who being the door opener that he is, he, uh, he earlier this year helped me uh, find Jesus. He opened that door in, uh, in counseling, and he had mentioned how powerful prayer is. And I remember the first time we had met up that we had a, you know, we started with prayer. We did. Yeah. yeah. And uh, prayer really was powerful in that moment. It spoke truth into my life. And it showed me the love of Jesus and the grace that he has for me. And it really just opened my heart, softened my heart. And yeah, I came to I came to Christ earlier this year in February just because of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What were some things that were shared with you, either by Derek or your parents or aunt? What were some things shared with you that really connected you to understanding the gospel and desiring it for your life? I think it was really a sense of God has a plan for you, right? Mm -hmm. And there's meaning and purpose in this life that, you know, God wants you to fully realize. Mm -hmm. And, And a lot of the insight they shared with me was, you know, it's never too late. It's there's a lot of grace to be had with you know some of the past experiences that you may regret or you feel shame around or you know you just want to forget about. But there's also in this moment in time, like you know, God loves you where you're at and He wants you as you are. So just sharing that with me was eye-opening, but also very uh, comforting and just amazing insight into where I'm at now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks, Justin. That's awesome. And, you know, because your family has an LDS background, we're talking about your experience now, and I think this is maybe a great opportunity to um, 
try to look at some of these biblical principles and models from from John chapter four and so forth um, that we've been talking about. And, and so I'm I'm curious, Derek and Justin, both of you, uh, to chime in on this. Is so the idea of of sending, of of, re, of raising up senders, not just people who are believers who we reach them, but also send them. I mean, that's a universal, right? That's um, that's true no matter what and what setting. But I wonder what you've discovered or what you're maybe even trying to discover, what you're working on um, in terms of how that works in the Latter-day Saint context. So help our help our listeners maybe understand, oh, that's great, you know, but how do I do it here? Mm. Yeah, I think what I'm finding is I was just reminded in Justin's story, part of what led him to to Christ was was prayer. He came in for counseling. I just prayed with him. I, I, f- I find that Jesus is, he's called the wonderful counselor. And so it ends up being the, the most effective counseling technique in my mind. And, uh, and so it's, but it's not something that, that I think it's just something I can do. It's something any believer can do. And, uh, and so, um, I was able to pray with him, and, and we did a, a listening prayer uh, specifically for God to speak over him identity and take away the falls. It's basically just a process of confession and repentance that we did together. And, uh, and, and God spoke powerfully into Justin, and that's what caused him to want to believe because he experienced God in a real way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think, as I've noticed at least, people who are LDS are are very open to prayer. And, uh, and so you could do the same with anybody who's LDS and you don't have to debate about the Bible or about the book of Mormon or any other of the books that, that, uh, it's just going to God directly and letting him work in their life. And so that's something that I've found to be effective that anybody can engage with. So in our ministry in Utah, we see, you know, a lot of people coming to Utah from out of town, from another place, a Bible Belt or the West Coast or whatever, because their jaw brings them here. And, um, and, and I, I, want, I want to see them become missional in their community. And many of their neighbors are Latter-day Saints. Maybe they're people they work with are Latter-day Saints, maybe not necessarily relatives, but it could be, you know. And so for someone coming, you know, from that framework outside of this culture, um, what are some of the challenges of encouraging them to be sent to be missional in this culture and what are some of the what are some of the obstacles that people face and, and what are some of the maybe there's some, maybe there's some wins you've seen um, for people who are like outsiders who come into Utah of getting them engaged in our in the mission any thoughts on there any observations on that over the time you've spent in ministry yeah I suppose it depends on the person but there are there seems to be two types of people that come in from the outside. There's people who are already or already want to be missional, and sometimes their approach just isn't quite on target. Maybe there's a lot of maybe arguing with neighbors or debating neighbors, and from what I've seen, there hasn't been a lot of fruit from that. Uh, doesn't mean it's always bad, but uh, I, I think the other the other side is that there's just a lot of people who are disengaged. They don't know their neighbors. They've, they, they've never met them. And, uh, and when I first moved to Utah, to be honest, that's 
where I was. I mean, I, I didn't know a lot of my neighbors' names. And so that's, uh, I think you got two kind of extremes and, and neither one maybe gets you quite there. And so I think, uh, one one way to for for people to engage is just start to learn your neighbors' names. Then you you can't it's hard. Well, you can't pray for the guy with the the red Subaru down the street, but it'd be better if you knew his name. And right. so you maybe go on a walk one day and 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 say hi, you know, and and get his names or or you know. And the other is I think. I had to learn the hard way about debating people who were LDS. I grew up in Boise, Idaho, and I had two of my best friends growing up uh, were LDS and went on missions, and and so I did a lot of debate. And I think, thankfully, I don't think I long term burned bridges, but it it did uh, it didn't effectively work uh, in actually helping that person know who Jesus is because it it didn't look like Jesus. I'll be I'll be honest. So those are the the maybe the I don't know if you have to learn the hard way. Uh, I I would hope if you're listening to this and that's you, maybe you can uh, try blessing them, try loving them, and and uh, and I bet uh, there'll be re- some response in that. Yeah, one of the dynamics we've explored a little bit in this podcast is that. Um, people who are questioning Mormonism or are on the very beginning end of leaving Mormonism, they're often very sensitive about it and don't want to share that publicly with the people that are in their ward, their family members. That That's the people that they want to um, maybe put up the, the best face for. And so there's such a value in a relationship with someone who's not in their ward, someone who's not LDS. And that's where trusted believers can really come in and 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 be a safe place for former Mormons or questioning Mormons and talk about some of the questions or difficulties that they're not willing to share elsewhere. So that that's such a need, but that environment is not present when the relationship is built more on hostility or debate and argument. So that I, I think that's something that we really need to instill in the everyday believer is that there's a need for us to be a, a safe, trusted place, but also confident in the word of God and willing to share the defense um, at, at any time that God Absolutely. opens up that door and presents the opportunity. Yeah, I think the uh, the other extreme might be uh, never talking about God. Uh, and, and, you know, I used to ascribe to more of a lifestyle evangelism approach. And I've just noticed that isn't as super effective either, because those people who are going through those struggles may not come to you to talk about them because they don't know you're a spiritual person. They don't Mm -hmm. know you love Jesus. And, and so I find that as often as I can bring up something, spiritual conversations that aren't necessarily, in your face, but definitely put put it to them that you are somebody they could talk to about spiritual things. And so I try to pray for my neighbors regularly, and and they're very open to that. Everybody is. And then they know I'm a guy you can go to for prayer. I'm a guy that, because I pray, maybe I'm a guy you could talk to about spiritual things and just talk to them about what God's doing in my life right now. I mean, I think there's, when we talk about testimony, it isn't just what God did in my life 20 years ago. It's like, what did God do in my life this week? And that's always fresh. And and it's always relevant because it's just something that God's doing today. So that's those are things I try to often talk with my neighbors about. And then when you're bringing those spiritual conversations up at the beginning, they know they can, you're a trusted source to talk to. 
And Justin, tell me more just about what is God doing now? So God is so clearly at work in your life and in your family. What what's what's he doing now? Uh, I really think he is just working more spiritually in my life. So in ways that I want to read more of his word. I want to be more engaged in prayer. And I really just want to, as a new believer, get to know him on a Mm -hmm. deep uh, interconnected level. And also, I just want to share the good news of the gospel with other people that I found out. So, you know, in this unique environment uh, of Utah, I I, uh, obviously have some background with knowing where LDS members come from Mm -hmm. and just having some of that background knowledge and like being understanding of where they're at right now and also being bold and sharing the gospel with them is something that he's been putting on my heart and just wanting to really reach out to the people so and people like Derek mentioned are the are the the ultimate prize so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I think it's really powerful to see that God is sending you already God is using you and desiring to see the gospel flow through the relationships that you have the people that that trust you. Yeah, Justin's already uh, started a Discovery Bible study. Now it it it's kind of gone on a hiatus. There's some things with his 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 uh, roommates, but mm-hmm. it's like he's already pressing in to trying to see other people reached. And I know that ministry is part of his uh, the way that God's speaking into him right now is to invest more into that. So the the way that it all comes together, I think, is still a work in progress, but. Definitely. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like I could answer that question for me, even just talking about testimony right now, this week, um, just last Monday, I, I started asking God every day out of the Colossians four twelve passage, it says, be watchful and thankful. And, and Paul is saying, be, pr- pray, like pray every day. But he says, you can pray this for me and my coworkers. He's like, pray that our, you know, our eyes are open He's it, to the opportunities that God's hope, you know. And so it's like give, he's, he's asking for God to open up these doors and, and open his eyes to the opportunity at hand. And so I started praying that, God, give me opportunity and help me see the opportunity. And then he says the opportunity is so they can preach the gospel. And so I'm like, I started praying for boldness this week, like give me opportunity and boldness. And then he says, pray that I would have clarity. So it's like, I've just been praying this week for opportunity, boldness, and clarity. And it's been amazing. It's kind of like the experience with Dave, where I've just freaked out. It's like, God has been opening up so many opportunities. And I'm not cold calling people. I'm not knocking on their doors. I'm not running up to them on, on you know, on a college campus or something. Not that any of those things are bad. It's just, there's, I mean, I was walking, this was a few days ago. I was just walking down the parking lot and somebody yelled at me that I had talked to two months before. Oh, wow. And that was the opportunity. It's like, I, I just, a few minutes before I'd spent the whole day in the office and I'm going, okay, God, how, where's the opportunity going to come from today? I don't know if it's going to happen. Yeah. Somebody yells at me and you're like, holy cow, like, this is, this is cool. And I'm, I'm just committed to where I'm like, I'm not going to go home until I, I have an opportunity to, to talk with somebody about the gospel and or pray for them. And so that's that's just a commitment I've made this week. And so far every day God has opened the door and I'm just amazed. Like it's hmm. not me wow. having to do a lot of anything. I think it's something anybody could do. Mm-hmm. Are there any last thoughts, any things that you wanted to share that we haven't had the chance to yet? Uh, 
yeah, just what's really on my heart right now is just like we have a, a uni- unique opportunity in the state, uh, you know, sharing our, the gospel with those that have a different faith as us, but but also think in a way of, you know, they have the, the truth and we have the truth. So we have to be very patient and understanding from where they're coming at, but also let what we had mentioned throughout the, the podcast, just to really let prayer work and uh, let God you know, speak into their hearts, their their souls, their minds. So just trusting fully in God in the process. And uh, I think that's that's super important. Mm-hmm. Prayer is one of those things where it's hard, even even though I'm speaking about it and I'm, I'm talking about how great it is, it's hard to prioritize because it doesn't look like it has a direct outcome. Mm-hmm. And so it's easy to relegate it to a, a second tier task. And, uh, and it really needs to take a primary seat in all of our schedules each and every day and in the schedule of the church, the life of the church. And so I'm still trying to figure out what that looks like. I don't think I've arrived by any means, but uh, extraordinary prayer is the power. I think that's a great way to end it. Amen. Well, thanks for joining today, Derek and Justin. Great to have you in. Hope you have a blessed day. Again, this is the CultureWise podcast where God's good news meets the Latter-day Saints with wisdom and grace.